Well, friend, today I have two guests. I have Hillary Morgan Ferrer and Amy Davison, and they are going to be talking about their book, Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality. Or we can call this podcast, How to Talk to Your Kids About Sex. Now, everywhere we look, people are talking about sex. We want to close our ears or turn off our ears or cover our ears. That would be better. We want to close our eyes. So when so much is going on, so much is happening, we're hearing and seeing so many things around us, why is it so hard to talk to our kids about this topic? Now, within the last five or 10 years, we have seen a huge change in thinking, complete 180 on what people used to think was right and wrong and what they think is right and wrong now. So we need to be there to help our kids anticipate this sexual agenda and to know what to say to them. Now, I'm a mom of 10 kids, and I will raise my hand right here and say this is hard to talk to our kids about. But today's guest that actually gave me a lot of hope. And I love this quote, your child, your children's grip on Christianity will only be as strong as their confidence that reflects that reality. Our children will learn to love or despise authority based on the model we have in the home. And that's one of the things we talk about how so much of what we teach our children about what is right and wrong, and especially about what is right and wrong concerning sexuality is going to be based on authority. I had never heard this before, and this has been such a wonderfully eye-opening thought for me that we can teach them about God and his authority, and that will make a difference on how they view the world. It's not easy, but I think it's important for all of us parents to do. I enjoyed this talk so much. It gave me so much to think about. I'm going through their book again, which is again, Mama Bear, Apologetics Guide to Sexuality. And I know that if you have been worried or concerned or just don't know how to talk to your kids, today's podcast is going to give you some help to specifically do just that. tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I'm sharing my heart and answering questions about faith, writing, homeschool, big family living, and so much more. I'll also be digging deep into meaningful conversations with other authors, speakers, moms, and God lovers. I'm your host, Trisha Goyer, wife to John, mom of 10, author of over 80 books, speaker, homeschooler, avid reader, and mega nap taker. I'm so glad you're here. Well, friends, I enjoy every podcast that I interview, but I am so excited about this one. We're going to be talking about the book, Mama Bear Apologetics, Guide to Sexuality. The authors are here with me, Amy Davison and Hillary Morgan Ferrer. So welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, we're excited to be here. I am so excited about this book. I have 10 children, guys. 10? And wow. Let me tell you, this is such a daily topic. We currently have five at home, five out of the house. And the ones at home are 11, 14, 17, 19, and almost 12. Um, I had to think about it a minute. <laughs> She's getting ready to have a birthday this month. Um, and so every day there's a show they're watching that I'm like, 
You guys have to turn that off. There's music that'll say something. There's something that they hear. And I don't even let them have, like, all the social media stuff. Um, I homeschool four of them. Like, this is such a daily thing. So tell us your heart by why you wanted to write this guide to sexuality. Yeah, so this is Hillary. Um, uh, I published the first book, uh, Mama Bear Apologetics, with Harvest House. And they really, really, really wanted a book on sexuality. And I will be honest my first instinct was to steer clear of this topic <laughs> with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> I just did not want to go near it. And then just through a series of them asking again, and the Lord kind of placing it upon my heart saying, yes, this is, this is my task for you. I was the most reluctant, uh, you know, con- contract signer, whoever was, but at the same time, I'm really glad that we did because all of these issues have just been promulgated to front and center of everything in media. Um, just usually you see kind of, uh, I would say attitude shift gradually over time. I would say with all the stuff around sexuality, um, not counting just like the whole sexual revolution back in the seventies, but even just within the last five or 10 years, we've seen the majority view on a lot of sexual topics just do a 180. Mm-hmm. And we've also seen that, uh, all these things are now all of a sudden inserting themselves into kids programming kids programming used to kind of have the assumption that you don't have any sexual themes but nowadays it's um all the kids programming has sexual themes in terms of identity and sexual orientation and trying to normalize things and trying to get people to um get kids to accept you know the uh, the transgender and the homosexual um or the bisexual uh, two moms two dads all the things and just make it to where it is just an absolutely normal thing for kids. And that is actually part of the purpose of the children's programming now. So it is just, it is blown up in the K through 12 schools with uh, these kids that are having to now define what their pronouns are. And sometimes they have to ask on a daily basis and they're being told, well, you know, some days you might feel like a boy and some days you might feel like a girl. So you just have to communicate that and just the, these areas of our life where our, our identity, things that we shouldn't necessarily have to have questioned in the past, everything is up for grabs. And so our kids are just being really confused by the fact that we're, they're not allowed to use their bodies to let them know anything true about themselves. And I think parents have just been assuming that it's business as usual with the way that they grew up and the way that they went to school in the you know, reading, writing, arithmetic and history kind of thing. And it is just a completely different world than the one that we grew up in. It, it's, it so absolutely is. And it's so crazy. Like one of the biggest things on social media right now is gender reveals. Like mm-hmm. there's all the cakes and the balloons and the rockets. So there's this big deal about gender reveals. And then we say like, okay, when you're five, then you can just tell us. What you, what yeah. You, it's like, kind of ironic that those kind of started at the same time, isn't it? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Yep. Amy, what are your thoughts about why this book is so important at this time? Well, we kind of covered it. I mean, really right now we're seeing such a progressive shift regarding all of children's media that it is now being marketed to where, yeah, you could used to put on the TV and not have to worry about these things, not only being present in your children's programming, but also being an evangelistic approach to these kids. Like this is how you discover. And it's this shepherding, this active discipleship by the world to 
tear down the biblical worldview of sexuality and God's design for gender and instead put in this progressive sexual ethic. Because again, we're trying to remake the world. They're trying to redo this whole worldview shift and parents are now becoming aware of it. Unfortunately, it's often secondhand. Like they're they're having to play catch up. And now because the world has already had all this time to disciple their kiddos and parents are saying, okay, what do we do? This isn't a talk anymore. And that's one thing that's been so great about this book is it, it was never meant to be a talk. And that the big focus of it is to help parents realize that sexuality is something that we were supposed to be discipling all along. And unfortunately, the world has had that uh, that control in that realm because the church has pulled out of it in a way. I mean, you had the influx of the true love weights and sort of the fallout of that. And now churches have kind of pulled back in in a way. And so whenever we release ground to the enemy, it's so much harder to take it back. It's not impossible. God does it, but we are having to play catch up, so to speak. And parents are just hungry for resources that provides the biblical worldview about sexuality in a charitable, fair way, but also that evaluates the worldview claims of secular culture because kids don't want to hear something and think, okay, well, that's just what mom and dad believe, or that's just what they're saying, that sort of thing. No, we need to be able to look at alternative worldviews and see, okay, what statements are they making about the body, who we are as people, value right and wrong, and be able to expose these things. So that way our children not only see the the biblical worldview as beautiful, but recognize it as true and see the problems and the pitfalls and the dangers within the secular worldview. Okay, so one of the things that I love that you mentioned, right, I think it was in chapter one, was that kids want parents to talk about this issue. And parents are so scared to talk about everything. Um, I think sometimes we think as parents, like, oh, I don't want to bring it up. But the kids are hearing it anyway. And like you said, Amy, we sometimes feel like we're playing catch up. And the funny thing is, we just went to the library the other day, and my kids got books, and my son came with this little book. Um, it was like, uh, you're changing body. And I looked through it. It's okay. Like, I made sure it was okay. But the, it was just basically, it was about like growing arm pit hair. He was so excited on the way home. He's like trying to sound stuff out. He's like, what is T E S T I C? And my daughter's in the car, teen daughter, like, stop, don't say that word. He's like, testicles. <laughs> and they're like freaking out. Um, but him and my husband at night have been reading through this book about soon you're, he's 11. Soon you're going to be getting arm hair and leg hair and all the things. And he has been so excited about this book. And I thought, you know what? I think so many times we think they don't want to hear about it. It's embarrassing to talk about it. But I think kids are so much more interested and accepting of hearing from us than we often even think. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to jump in there. They really are because they want to understand this. And what's great is when we can actually foster this open dialogue within our own homes, because then we will be someone that they're just going to come to and we they can trust that what they hear from mom and dad is good. And I mean, our bodies are interesting. They're beautiful and fascinating in how they develop. And it's exciting as kids to see how your body is going to develop. I mean, I know... Uh, well, I'm still waiting on this, but I was super excited at the prospect of potentially having breasts one day. That that hasn't come about, you know. I kind of got left out by the puberty fairy I really on that knew one. You were going with that. I know you were, but I mean, it, and boys are too. They're, they they want to know how their bodies develop because then it it's like a mystery yep. that you're living out, and it's like, oh my gosh, who who am I going to go to? I've either got TV or YouTube, which is going to just end badly if you go there first. I've got mom and dad, and I've got friends, and so about only one of those you can really really count 
hold on for solid information. And so it's great when we can have that to where kids can bring things up to. And then if there's problems with their health or development, you know, we can get them to a doctor if need be. And so it's just important to have this open dialogue to where, hey, kiddo, if if you ask it, I'm going to find you an answer. You know, not every situation is going to be appropriate. We may have to be like, okay, you know, let's wait, you know, to where we're not at church service or grandma's, you know, for this question. But uh, but I'm going to get you the answer. And so it's it's great when you can have that that open door policy for questions, because it is kids are going to keep coming back. They're wanting to know this information. And uh, and it's just a fun way to to not only it, it gives us actually an opportunity to really revel in the creator and see how beautiful God's design for the body is, because our bodies are a testimony to the intelligence and the creativity of our father, God. So if we can point back to him as we're learning about our bodies, it's a great way to give an evangelistic apologetic witness uh, to our kiddos while discussing just normal human development. Yeah, Tell her about the Power to Decide campaign, Amy. Oh, okay. So which one? The pow- Oh, so Power to Decide campaign. Um, so that one was really cool because that campaign is talking about how they did this survey. And you'd mentioned earlier about how, you know, kids want to know this information. They really do. So they were, this Power to Decide campaign took thousands of teens and they asked them, okay, you know, who has the most influence on your sexual decision-making? Who do you go to for insight? And kids 12 to 15 overwhelmingly mom and dad were number one that they went to so mom and dad were first then it went friends then it went you know youtube entertainment that sort of thing and so they they pulled older kids too from the 16 to 19 age age range once again mom and dad were number one that's the those are the people that were having the most influence on what they did and chose to do with their bodies in fact it wasn't until kids went off to college that friends now became kind of the dominant uh influence in their lives, but mom and dad were still number two. So the years that our children are within our home from ages 12 to 19, we are number one in influence. And yet when they they did this survey, they also asked parents, they said, hey, parents, um, do you think your kids are listening to you? And are you talking to them about sexual issues? And overwhelmingly, mom and dad said, nope, we're not talking. We don't think they're listening. But yet the kids said, yes, we are listening and we want to know. So it's one of those uh, huge encouragement for parents is that, yes, you know, you may get the eye rolls. You may get the mom. You can't say that. You know what? Totally ignore it. Just go through because your kids want to hear from you uh, about these issues and they really value and it really does influence their decision making. Mm-hmm. And I, I think so many times we feel like they're not listening. Like you said, the eye rolls and stop talking about that. But you know, I, I mean, I just keep talking. I just keep talking about Good it. for you. And it's so interesting because one of my daughters came and um, I know I always say, like, don't give your number out to guys. Like they, um, you know, unless you know him and have a, you know, it's okay. I agree with that you can share that number, but they're going to just end up probably within a day sending sexual stuff, asking for sexual stuff. And one of my daughters didn't believe me. And sure enough, some guy from school asked for a number. Within a couple hours, he was asking her for pictures. I'm like, see, I told you. And then I could hear her telling her sisters later, now don't be giving anyone your number to anybody. Nice. Um, So, you know, they, they do listen uh, sometimes, but even, you know, of course she immediately blocked that number and I'm like, see, I told you. And so, um, but we have to keep telling them, we have to keep warning them. We have to make them aware of certain things. I'll be like, pause that show. Let's talk about this. And they're like, mom. And I'm like, I know, but let's talk about it. And what I love 
about the book. First of all, I want to get to the part where you have in the back about um, this cracks me up. Things to repeat until you're with your kids until they gag. I mean, that is just awesome. I love that part. But (laughs) also just even at the beginning, just giving them some word pictures around what sex is. And I love, love, love the part about um, you're talking about the power that things powerful enough to be guarded and you talked about sex. I'm like, I am so going to use this. This is great. So one of you, please share about that illustration because I've never heard this before. And I think this is a perfect illustration that will help us to talk to our kids about why sex is so powerful that we need to guard it. Yeah. So uh, we use the fire analogy in there just because it, it, it seems kind of like our society kind of sees sex as this, you know, why wouldn't you want to share this wonderful gift with as many people as possible? And if, if you are trying to, con- if anyone's trying to control it, it's because they want to control you. And it's all this, you know, it's all about power and oppression and stuff like this. And it's kind of comes back to how about something, how this, it's not that someone's trying to get power over me. It's that this physical act that's not just a physical act is itself powerful so tell me any powerful thing out there that has the power to create and the power to destroy that isn't carefully guarded like you look Mm -hmm. at nuclear weapons you look at you know a really big dog on a leash the more powerful and the more able to create and destroy something is um or the more value it has the more you have to guard it so like in in terms of fire um fire can create and fire can destroy that's just you know there's a lot of good things that you can do with fire there's a lot of bad things you do with fire fire itself is neutral it's how it's being used that determines whether or not it's good or bad um but then you kind of so i've heard this analogy before but i haven't heard people really compare it to okay let's look at two people who might be considered obsessed with fires you'll have the pyromaniac or the fireman which one do you think is more obsessed with fire? And, you know, some people will say one, some people will say the other. And I'm like, I think they're equally obsessed with fire. I honestly do. One is obsessed with, you know, basically controlling it so Mm -hmm. it doesn't burn down the (laughs) whatever. And the other one just wants to create as many fires as they possibly can. And so it's like uh, society treats sex almost like an arsonist treats fire, that they just want to start as many fires as possible. And then when the 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 uh, firemen have to come in and clean up all that mess, they're just seen as like this big, big negative Nelly. Oh, you know, raining on our parade. You just you're like the opposite. You know, you're the fun sucker. And uh, we, the, the fireman's just trying to maintain civil and, and orderly um, civility and order within within society. And so. Um, I think being able to properly label something in our kids' brains, because it's like I think of their their brains as they are building and growing, is it's kind of like a filing cabinet. Mm-hmm. And if you misfile something, you're either going to treat it wrong or you're just going to uh, not know where to go looking for it. And so if we treat sex under the thing as something that's power enough, powerful enough to create and destroy, there's – um. One of the questions that I had in, I, I believe I have it in the the end questions where I said, let's just picture just a, for fun. Let's picture what this world would look like if we, if everybody just followed one rule, they only had sex with their spouse. Think about how many things, how many problems in our society would go away. Yeah. Um, you might have uh, very, way fewer unwanted pregnancies, way fewer ST days. Um, way fewer divorces. People aren't getting cheated on. People aren't getting raped. People aren't getting, you, you just think of this one rule. 
it wipes out like half the issues that we have in society if people could, could could just control their sexual instincts and it's because there's so much fallout um from sexuality and because it, it was intended to be a very powerful part of our identity god god placed that um like we're stewards of this sexuality as a very powerful um act between men and women uh between husbands and wives and um just the stewardship aspect. It seems like our, our society has like really lost the idea that we need to steward something powerful. We need to steward it well, or else there's going to be just adverse repercussions. Yeah. The quote that I underlined that I love says, sexual energy is really powerful. Sexual desire, when channeled toward one's spouse, reemphasizes the vows they made to love, honor, and cherish and protect till death do they part. But sex can be used to destroy as well. The sexual impulse without restraint can devastate an individual and destroy a marriage. And I'm like, boom, I'm putting this on my refrigerator. <laughs> this is so good. I mean, I probably won't put it on the refrigerator. But I love that illustration, illustration of, of fire. And, you know, yes, you, you could have the sexual fire burn well within your marriage but let loose and out of control. And a lot of stuff is going to burn down and it's not going to look pretty. Yeah, absolutely. So good. So I'm going to get to the part. Um, things repeat when you're with your kids until they gag. Because Things I, repeat to your kids until they want to gag. Until they yes. want to gag. Because it is so, <laughs> first of all, I'm like, that is such the best title there. <laughs> but second, <Thank> <laughs> um, these are probably things we, we can put on our refrigerator. So t- let's talk about some of these things. Um, I know there's there's too many to go over all of them. But what are some of the things that I think that the listener can take away right now? Yeah, so this kind of comes from a story from my cousin, and I got her permission to use this, and I got her da- uh, my niece's permission to use it as well, that she just kind of jokingly, not jokingly, says every time her um, her daughter leaves the house, bye, have fun, don't take off your clothes. And <laughs> it's one of those things that it's like, I just know for a fact that anytime my niece, if she has some guy trying to, you know, get her to strip down, she's going to hear her mother's voice in her head, who's the last voice you want in your head right before you're about to get down with some dude. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure that that actually is doing some good. In fact, my, my cousin Mary has another friend of hers that did something really similar to this with her son and his little gaggle of friends where they, they would all leave and she'd be like, bye, have fun. Don't have sex till you're married. And <laughs> one of those boys actually came back partway through college and came back to her and thanked her and said, nobody else was willing to say this to us. And I have actually followed that advice. And I see my friends who have not followed that advice. And I see just how, what it's done to them. And I just want to say, thank you for being the only person who was willing to say that to us. Wow. Yeah. And so like, I don't think you're always going to have that kind of level of appreciation. You just, a lot of times you just need it once. I, I say stuff like that. I say, put that one in your happy file. I used to have a literal happy file when I was a teacher where I would get good feedback from a student that they really appreciate something. I put it in the happy file for those days when everybody hated me. And I could say, you know, this student on this day, <laughs> I, I, I did something that, that really changed their life. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, anyway, so I, I wanted to take a lot of the information that was in the book already and try to see if I could boil it down into just this kind of pithy maxim um, or, or idiom, one of those things. Because, you know, we we all had the same ones when we were growing up. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. 
Um, my favorite one was my grandmother when she'd get all upset if you like pulled out at a four-way stop and someone else was there and she'd be like, <gasps> you know, and you'd say, it's okay, grandmommy, I have the right of way. And she'd always retort back, well, there's a graveyard full of people who had the right of way. <laughs> and I mean, it's such a grandmommyism. It's hilarious. I love her. But, um, so some of the ones that we started out with are really basic and they actually undercut so much of what is going on within this uh, kind of sex positivity and LGBTQ agenda that's going on. And that's what we do with our body matters. Yeah. Um, and so I, you can say this to a little kid who's asking you why he has to eat his broccoli. Why do I have to see, why do I have to eat this broccoli? Because what you do with your body matters. Well, why, why does it matter? Because God gave you your body to take care of it. This brings in the idea of stewardship. I, I kind of mm. recommend against saying because your body is a gift because our kids have seen us either throw away gifts or re-gifts, re-gift re gifts to yeah. other people or, you know, maybe not treat them very well, give them to goodwill. So using the gift language, I mean, kids pick up on that kind of minutia. They're like, but you tossed that other gift. So God gave us our bodies to take care of them. And so those two little things right there really undercut so much of the gender ideology that is going on right now um, of what we do with our body matters because people are saying what we do with our body doesn't matter, that basically it's what's going on between our ears that is the most important thing. And we should shape our body to match what's going on in our head. Or this idea that we're supposed to take care of our body. That that lends itself to so many things. That lends itself to diet, to exercise, uh, to surgery. What kinds of surgery do we do? Medical interventions, all these different things. How? What does it mean to take care of our bodies? Um, and then there's just some other ones in there. Um, what was one of my favorite ones? You know, uh, uh, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from making a nest in your hair. I had someone say that one to me once, and it's this idea of controlling our thoughts in some way. Yep. It's like if you have a straight thought that's going to go over your head, you don't really have control over that always. But making a nest in your hair, you have some control over that. And so it's just this uh, constantly obsessing over certain ideas. And I think sometimes as, as our kids are like obsessing over maybe a desire that they have that the Bible says is not godly. Instead of looking for ways that they can be honoring God with their body, they're obsessing over this one thought, this one desire. And yeah, again, temptation would be like that bird flying over your head. But if you're allowing it to make a nest in your hair, well, that's something that you needed to be, be taking control over. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that are in there. Um, oh, yeah, just we'll always hear it lobbed at us about, oh, you need to be on the right side of history. It's like, you know what? It is better to be on the wrong side of history and on the right side of the kingdom. Because um, that one, I, I think that one is used to make kids feel like they were the ones who would have put uh, Rosa Parks at the back of the bus. And unless you want to be that person, you're going to accept all these things that we're, we're, you know, bringing towards you as the most loving and you're a bigot and a hater and all these things. And uh, if you don't and you're on the wrong side of history, you know what? If it's something that the Bible has clearly spoken mm -hmm. on, then I will be on that wrong side of history in order to be on the right side of the kingdom. I love that. One thing I always say, repeat is, um, you know, I'm going to find it out. <laughs> so I'm like, don't do it. Cause you know, I'm going to find it out. And then I've added, and I have a narc dog to help me because <laughs> one of our teen daughters got a vape. It just had watermelon, whatever in it. And our dog helped, um, found it and brought it to me. And then <laughs> someone that was visiting had her purse down and the dog got her vape out of it and brought it to me. Oh so now gosh. I say, don't do it. 
Unless you want me to find out. And now I have a, a narc dog to help me. So that's that is hilarious. <laughs> Go dog. I love that. Yeah, what kind so of dog funny. do you have? He's a Corgi and a Jack Russell. Really? <laughs> so okay. It looks like a really fat Jack Russell is what he looks like. <laughs> but hey, he's doing his job. He's that's doing a working his dog job. Right like, don't even bring a vape in here. The dog's going to find it. <laughs> I so think good. that that's honestly one of the best prayers any parent can pray over their child is, mm-hmm. Lord, I pray that whatever they do, they would get caught. I swear my mm-hmm. mom had to have prayed that over me because it's like there were so many things that it's not like I didn't think it would be kind of fun to do or I was not like I was too scared to do them. But it's like I'm going to get caught. None of y'all are going to get caught. I'm going to be the one that gets caught because I think someone prayed that over me. And they do. I find yeah. all kinds of stuff. Mom. <laughs> oh, so good. Okay. So I'm so glad you brought up the bird flying over your head part and making a nest in your hair because all these things are flying around all these mm-hmm. phrases and uh this is the right thing and this is the wrong thing and you don't understand and you need to be loving and all i mean so many things so yes. let's talk about for kids who've already i'm raising my hand here kids in my household have already heard all these things and it can be confusing like well aren't we supposed to love and accept everybody i mean it just gets these long conversations <laughs> so mm-hmm. what what do we do when our kids have already heard all this stuff and we are just trying to to make them understand that God's truth is God's truth. But yes, we still love people. And I don't know exactly what to say. So give me some help here. Uh, so one of the things I talk about um, in the study guide that's going to be coming out, te- technically called the discipleship guide, is called the uh, image of God game. Mm-hmm. And the image of God game is where you are reiterating over and over again, probably till your kids want to gag. Uh, who exactly is made in the image of God? And and you can go, and th- this was kind of borrowed from this one uh, Deep Roots Bible curriculum, I believe, that they showed it to kids and they would have someone dressed like a clown and, uh, you know, a homeless man or just a woman, maybe a pregnant woman, you know, just all the different variations of humanity and asking, is this person created in the image of God? Then maybe they'd show a flower. No, that's not created in the image of God. But Going back to something like the clown, is this person created in the image of God? The kids would struggle with this because it's like, well, they're dressed like a clown, but you'd say, no, they are created in the image of God. Well, what, you know, what about the the puppy? No, that it's not created in the image of God. What about the man with one leg? Be like, I don't know. I don't think God, you know, would have that kind of imperfection. No, but that person is still created in the image mm. of God. So you just really, really emphasize this category, but then you're going to go a step further and that's that we can choose to do or not do things that reflect the image of God. And so we can absolutely agree this person's created in the image of God, but maybe when they do something that is is immoral or against the Bible, we say, was that reflecting the image of God? Mm. No. But how do we treat someone made in the image of God? We treat them with dignity and respect. Do we fir- affirm everything they do if it's not reflecting the image of God? No, we don't do that. And even when you're disciplining your kids, you can remind them you are absolutely created in the image of God and worthy of dignity and respect. The actions you did do not reflect the image of God. And so since those are wrong and you disobey, there will be consequences. But that makes it even a personal thing that, oh, oh, even me, even I don't reflect the image of God. And so it puts us all on an equal footing, but it, it just divides those two things of um, who we are, how we were created by God and what our actions do to where like society wants to bring those two things together. Like you are what you do. Right. And if you disagree with what someone does, then you're against who they are. And that's just kind of a dangerous precedent to set. Oh, that is such a good, I'm like, 
taking notes. I cannot wait for that <laughs> discipleship guide to come out because I'll be in line. I'm listening to the audiobook now, so it's super fun. I have the book. I'm underlining. I'm listening to the audiobook. I'm going to get the discipleship guide. <laughs> so I am nice. such a fan of everything you're doing. Um, so as we wrap it up, Amy, I would just love for you to just give an encouragement. Maybe parents are like, okay, I know I need to say something. I know I need to talk to my kids. What encouragement as we're closing that would you give them to let them know that they can tackle these conversations with their kids? I think probably the biggest encouragement that I can offer is to tell parents that omniscience was never a spiritual gift. You don't have to know all the things right now. You just have to pick one thing and then talk about it. And so when it comes to our kiddos, probably the easiest way to do that is to ask them where, what they're seeing at the moment. What questions do they have? What struggles are their friends going through right now? And give them an opportunity to share. Part of discipleship is helping train children on how to wield the armor of God. And so to be able to do that, in fact, all of the, there's only one defensive weapon when we look at the armor of God, and that's the sword. That's the very last one you get. Everything else is, is defensive. Um, and so it's important for us to help our kids not only know how to put it on, but how to use it as well. So when it comes to uh, to questions, especially like you had mentioned earlier, like what happens if your kids have already been exposed to this information? You know what? That's where we need to stop and say, okay, what do you what do they mean by love? And so we often use this term a lot. We we often use God's truth, but I almost want to caution against that because in a way that almost says, okay, well, there's God's truth and then there's other people's truth. Well, no, no, no. Truth. God is truth. Mm-hmm. So we just want to say what is the truth. Okay, now what is the falsehood that's trying to be paraded around as truth or justice or equality or righteousness and helping our children understand, okay, what are the assumptions that have crept into that? What are the arguments that are being made for that? This is when we think of sexuality, it is a it is a lifelong discipleship to where we're in it for the long haul. So for parents out there, if you are listening, um, it can be very daunting, especially when you start recognizing how big the battlefield is. Is, how vast it is and how your children from the time that they are two, uh, even earlier, depending on if you have them watching Bubble Guppies and Blues Clues, they are right there in the midst of the battlefield. Um, it can feel daunting. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is part of discipleship is just step-by-step training. Uh, I encourage parents whenever I give talks on discipleship is just pick one thing, pick one topic, pick one podcast, one chapter, and then go and read it, listen to it, study it, and then have one conversation. And once you have that conversation, pick the next one thing. And so it's just, it's it's easy, it's attainable. Um, it's not something that parents can feel overwhelmed by very easily when it's just, hey, it's just one chapter this week or one podcast this week. So I would encourage with your kiddos, have a conversation with them, see where they're at, Ask them what terms that they've been hearing by their friends and what they what they have been told the definition of those terms are, and then pick one and then go and study it. So we this is one thing that I tell parents is that there is as long as they're breathing, there's time. So even if they have left your household, even if they're in college or they're in the dating realm, if they're in their early 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever, as long as there's breathe they're breathing, there's still time. So just take an opportunity to have one conversation. Oh, I love that so much. And I think it's also important to let parents know that you can say, can we talk about this after dinner? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you have time to go think and pray 
and plan and say, you know, because in the moment when you're driving and they're like, oh my goodness, I can't even, I don't even know how to answer this. Um, and, and just make sure you come back to it and say, okay, let's talk about this now. And what did you hear? And this is what, you know, this is what truth says. And I, mean, I love that so much. Um, just start, just start the conversations. And kids love that too. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. The, again, the book is Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality. Um, where can people go to get more information about both of you and the book? Uh, we have several places they can go. They can go to our website, mamabearapologetics.com, and that's spelled M-A-M-A. We get all sorts of goofy spellings of mama. <laughs> and, uh, and so you can go there. Our books are available, I think, in Barnes & Noble, uh, christianbooks.com, amazon.com. You know, my, the right. official stands for my publishers, wherever books are sold. And you can contact if you if you want to get books uh, books in bulk for a large group. You can contact. Uh, you can either number one contact the publisher, or number two just kind of be waiting and watching. Um, what is it? Uh, Christianbooks.com because sometimes they'll have a half off sale and you can just buy a ton of books and it's the same shipping for all of them. So that's a good time to st- uh, stock up. Our first book is in Hobby Lobby right now, and it's also in uh, a bunch of airports. So if you just want to like support Mama Bear and tell the people who stock books at airports that this is the kind of book that you would want, that's the first book, not the sexuality book. Um, but uh, we're also on YouTube. We're on, uh, Amy manages the Twitter. <laughs> that to me is the wasteland of which I will not put my foot into anymore. Um, uh, we have a girl that does the, all the, the Facebook questions. I do a lot of the Instagram questions. So we just try to be available to people for, um, for interaction, uh, in this, you know, wonderful digital world that we're living in. I love that. So basically if they put in mama bear apologetics, wherever they are, they're going to find you on social yep. media. And, and if, um, yeah. And if you uh, sign up for our newsletter, we don't send stuff out all that crazy much. It's not like you're going to get bombarded with spam, but we like to let people know when we have, you know, a new podcast or a new article that's out and that's got all our social media links there at the bottom. So it's a, it's a great way to stay connected. Well, thank you both for being here. This is a great conversation. I know it's helping me so much. I know you are helping so many other parents. So I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. It is our honor and privilege. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I hope you received help and inspiration. That's what I'm here for. Now, remember, if you would like to submit a question, email it to hello at trishagoyer.com and I can't wait until we connect again.